0: I think this message is gonna be more for me than anybody here. You know, when you go through things in your life, God always gives you an opportunity to walk them out, doesn't he? And sometimes you're in the midst of it. Sometimes you've already gone through and around that mountain again and again, and you're in the place of victory. Sometimes we're still out in the wilderness. So we're all in different places. So. Psalm 51 It has been, you know, how some of us have that message, that scripture for all the days of our lives. Um, And this has just been one that I I constantly, constantly go to because I want to have such a flippin' pure, can I say flippin'? Flippin' pure heart. If Graham Cook can say it, I can say it, right? Flippin' pure heart. Um, So I'm always in these wonderful predicaments the Lord puts me in and gives me such an opportunity to work at that purity. Um, I asked him maybe over a year ago um, to go really deep in my heart because I didn't like the way that I was responding to all the wonderful drivers in Colorado. Um, I didn't flip them off. I didn't cuss at them. But I'd be like, oh, you stupid jerk. And I'd be like, oh. Where did that come from? Oh, my gosh, that's so deep down inside. Where on earth did that come from? God, I don't want that, you know? Or I won't say anything, but I'll be like, give him the Italian single signals, right, Mimi? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, how can people be so rude, so mean? So I know that there was something down there, and uh, Pastor Mike called it a deep dive, that the Lord was going for a deep dive in me. So I said, God, you know, I go back to the wonderful Psalm 51, you know, Lord, I want that purity. I want that out of me. I don't want that, you know, everything else that comes along with it. But that was something that was just right in my face all the time. How many of you know that, you know, when the Lord's working on you, he puts all of those beautiful little grace growers, as Graham Cook calls them, they they put you in an opportunity to grow grace. And, boy, you just want to wring their necks or, you know, and God's like, oh, how are you going to react? How are you going to react? So I'm like, okay, God, I want you to go to that place in me so we can get rid of this. Having no idea how many of you, when you ask for something, what on God's earth it's going to come out to look like? (laughs) You have no idea. So I want to bring you through a little bit of a journey that I've been going through. But first I want to speak a little bit about Psalm 51. I'm going to kind of jump all over. So um, in verse 3, It says, for I acknowledge my transgressions. Hello. My sin is always before me as I'm driving in Colorado. My sin is always (laughs) before me. It's not the person. It's not the car. It's not what they did. It's my reaction. That's my sin. How am I going to react every single time? And sometimes I do really good, and I'm like, oh, bless you. But you know you really don't mean it. It's like, bless you. You know, it's like, I want to get to the point where, oh, bless you. You must be having a horrible day. I'm going to pray for you as you cut me off again. You know, I want my heart to get to that place. I I mean, what would Jesus do? I keep thinking that all the time. What would he do? Okay, so I acknowledge my sins all the time. They're always before me. So against you, only you have I sinned. I'm going to stop right there for one second. Oh, Lindy, that's not a sin. You know, that's not adultery. That's not fornication. That's not, you know, murder. That's not a sin. To me, in my heart, yeah. Yes. Because there's something at the root. You know, when God digs so deep in that root, that won't come up. It might take a couple years, months, weeks, however long we 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 take to change. So it's like, yeah, to me, that is. To me, that is a sin in my life, because I know it's damn deep. What is it attached to, Lord? In fifty-one-six, um, um, he says, behold, you desire truth in my inward parts. OK? We're not talking outside of us, you know, the physical, the appearance. Inward, uh, deep down, so deep down that it was probably passed on to me from my mother, my grandmother, my grandfather, my great grandmother, uh, you know, the whole past. Okay, something so deep. You desire the truth, and in my hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Now, in the same he's saying, Oh, wait a minute, it's damn so deep, but hey, I'll. I'll I'll show you how to know wisdom. What? You desire truth so in the deepest part of me, but you will make me to know wisdom. Why? Because that one thing that is in front of me all the time is driving me to my knees. It's driving me to my face. It's driving me to the cross and say, get this stuff out of here. I was going to use the C word, not the other S word, so I know what you were thinking. You know, get this stuff out of here. It doesn't belong in, in this place that is called the temple of God, that is supposed to host his presence, host his Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to walk around and, you know, be leaking goodness, <laughs> leaking his presence, leaking his spirit, and not leaking my mouth, my thoughts. I mean... You know, with the driving, you don't even think about it. It just comes right out. And I was like, where did that come from? I didn't even think it. It wasn't even in here, but it was in the most inward part of me, deep down. And the Lord's saying, okay, come to me, and I'll show you wisdom. Ooh, I love wisdom. <laughs> Seven, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Okay, now when you think of purge, oh, You know, I think of God going down so deep. You know, it's not just like, oh, we'll just, you know, do a little surface clean here. No. It's kind of like getting your car detailed, you know, and it comes back and it looks beautiful inside out. There's not a crumb. There's not a french fry. There's nothing. Nothing. It's sparkling inside out underneath. It's like, oh, and then in a week it's back to the same way it was. But it's like it's getting a purging of a cleaning. This is what he wants to do to us. He wants to get so deep. He's saying, let me purge you with hyssop, which was um, a branch. And, you know, I've looked to try to find out exactly what it is. And I guess it's a, it can be a mixture of different plants. So purge me. Like, beat that sucker out of me. <laughs> I mean, get it out of me. Get this sin that is before me, and then I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You know what I love about The only thing I love about snow, because I don't like snow, because it's cold and it's messy and you have to drive in it. Um, I love how it glistens, how it sparkles. It's like, how does that happen? I'm sure there's a whole scientific thing in the sun and the atmosphere and whatever, but I look at it like, It's like, to me, it's like the glory of God coming. So he's saying, make me white and pure as that snow. In 10, it says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Steadfast means to be fixed, to be firm, to be steady. Steady. There was a great song, I think it was Misty Edwards um, long ago, and it was all about steady, steady, just being steady in him, steady in his presence. So as he's washing us, as he's cleansing us, sometimes you feel like in the Song of Solomon, you feel like, oh my gosh, I feel so dark and icky and yet, because all the stuff is coming up to the surface when I thought I just, you know, had a problem with drivers. Everything else is starting to come up. Don't push it back down. You're just going to have to deal with it later. It's going to take longer. Let him take it. Let him show you. Let him bring those deep-rooted things up to the surface because he wants to wash them away. He wants to make you as spotless as the snow, the sparkly snow. So as he's doing that, the same prayer that David was praying, okay, I know what I'm asking for. David's like, because you know David, he was up and down all the time. You know, when he was full of the spirit, boy, he was doing great. Once he got out of the spirit, got out of the word, got out of the worship, all hell was breaking loose on the man, right? And he whined and whined and whined. And I'm not talking this kind of whine. He whined forever. So he's saying, okay, as I'm going through this process, God, keep me steadfast, Renew my spirit because your spirit is getting cleansed from all these things that are in the way. Your spirit is being freed so it can become more like him and filled with more of his good stuff. Because whenever you get rid of something like impatience, you'll get patience. (laughs) If you get rid of anger, you'll get joy. If you get rid of fear, you'll get peace. He always has something so much better. So David's saying, oh, please, just just let me be able to stay steadfast, stay firm. You know, I always think of like, you know, what a teacher would say, I don't know what they say now, but, you know, years ago, focus, focus. You know, they're telling the class, focus, look up here. I think of that with the Lord, like the Lord's just saying, focus on me, just focus. Don't look at the giants. Don't look at everything over here because that will take you down. Just keep your eyes on me. Just focus. I'll keep your spirit steadfast. I'll keep you going forward because we're not taking in all of this because our God's so much bigger. In 11, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And I'm like, especially when you're doing this cleanse, oh, dear God, please don't, because then I will be all soul, and that will not be pretty. You know, we'll see the Lindy of who knows when (laughs) come forth. So, Lord, keep me encamped by your presence, and keep me enclosed by your spirit during this time. Even though when we feel like we're going through the dark times, like Pastor Jim was You know, uh, bringing forth a word before. We were going through those tribulations, those trials, those things. Keeping your sight on him. Keeping your eyes on him. He's got the whole package. He's got the whole program all worked out for you. We're the only ones that mess it up. We are the only ones, not him. Us. Because we're fighting our flesh. Oh, I don't want to do that. God, please don't tell me to do that. And the Lord's saying, you know, if you just be obedient, oh God, to love and bless that person that is the biggest grace grower in my face right now, where I just want to get my, the weed whacker out and, and take care of that grace grower. Lord, do what? Bless them? Give them money? What? Oh. It does. It can do so much for them, but what he's doing is he's breaking it in you. He's breaking that. (laughs) He's breaking whatever he's working on in you. And we've all got different things. We're all at different places. He's breaking that in you. What, Lord? Bless that driver in front of me. What? (laughs) Yeah. Pray for them. All right, Lord, give me a word for them. Oh, wow, Father, I just saw, you know, something that could be happening. Um, I just saw him in an accident. So I thank you, Father God, that you will lead him, you will direct him, that your angels have charge over him. Wow, man, that's going to make the enemy mad, right? That's going to tick him off. Because you just blessed that person, plus Lord just gave you a word, and you were able to help and save him even. And 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. How many of you can remember when you got saved? Were you guys like so crazy on fire or was I the only one? Okay. I mean, were you crazy on fire for God? I mean, I should have been locked up for six months. I'm so not kidding. Um, what I did to my coworkers, it was crazy. I mean, you know, there were demons everywhere, so I thought. I mean. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. What has happened when, I mean, when I got saved, the sky was bluer. I am not kidding. The grass was greener. It was like a whole veil just lifted from my eyes, and I was walking in a whole other world. Oh, nothing could go wrong, everything. I mean, it was a high that was so fantastic. And then over the years, <laughs> through the wear and the tear and the battles and the fights and the wars and the unbelief that pops in, the doubt that pops in, the hopelessness that pops in, it's like, "Uh, oh, what happened to the joy of my salvation? Where would my focus go? When did I start thinking that doubt was bigger than God? When did I start I've never thought that the enemy was bigger than God. I I always knew God was so much bigger than him or anything he would send out. But when did I ever get my focus off of him and start thinking all these circumstances and everything around me was so much more important than the joy of my salvation. So David's saying, God, don't take that from me. Restore it to me. And uphold me with your generous, generous spirit. Our God's not a stingy God, right? Generous. But it's always up to us and what we see, what we think, what we speak, and what's in our heart that is going to keep us in that place or get us out of that place. It's always up to us. I'm going to pop over to 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. It doesn't mean he wants us to go around being broken and unhealed and just pieces instead of a whole person. That heart that has gone through situations, that has let God in to open up your heart to get rid of the stuff, to get more of his good stuff. That's the broken heart. It doesn't mean we walk around broken and spilling our stuff all over everybody else and then making them broken, and you know what happens? No, it just means that openness, uh, that I, I'm, I'm in a place to uh, repent like that, uh, <laughs> to be humbled like that. It's not, it's not that like, There we go. like that. You know, What, what am I going to let him do with? Am I going to let him cleanse me? Am I going to let him purge me? Am I going to let him wash me? Am I going to walk around with this stuff the rest of my life? And then, oh, gladly pass it on, right? My kids, my grandkids, -grandkids, great-grandkids, da-da-da-da-da. I can remember telling my kids, I'm doing this for you. (laughs) Not really. I'm doing it for me to be who he wants me to be. I'm going to go after that pure heart, that clean heart, for as long as I live. As long as I live. I was telling Yvonne earlier, I said, you know, I'm so not there. But you know what? I believe my heart could be in such a place of purity that it doesn't have to wait for Jesus to come back to be in that place. I believe. (laughs) He says he's coming back for the pure and the spotless, right? That's what he's coming back for. I believe. I will be able someday, might be 120, who knows, or 110, um, attain a place in my heart where there will be no offense, where there won't be hurt, where there won't be pain, where there won't be rejection, where there won't be bitterness, there won't be envy, there won't be any desires of the flesh. Still flipping human, but attaining it and attaining it. It's just like anything that you work at. I'm going after. I'm going for the goal. I mean, if you were training for the Olympics and you had it in you, you were going to do it. You were going to do it. You were going to do it. You've attained it. This is the same thing. I'm going to go for everything he has. So I am more like him and so not like me. Bill Johnson says, if it still hurts, then you're not dead to it. Ugh. <laughs> if it still hurts, hurts, it's not dead. All of those things that I just rattled off, you know, the anger, the pain, the hurt, all of those things are not fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) That's not what He wants to produce in us. That's not what He has made available to us. They are all the works of the flesh and good old grandma and great-grandpa, and you know the line, handed it all down. How many of you are are first-generation Christians here tonight? Ooh, we got a fun job. (laughs) We are plowing so deep, so deep for us and for our generations, for our descendants. We're plowing so deep. When you look at people that have had a beautiful bloodline after a bloodline, and Bill Johnson, you know, I mean, it's just, what, five or six generations of, you know, of pastors, and I mean, they know all the evangelists, all his great-grandparents, he would tell stories, and it's just like, wow, to be brought up in that fruit. You know, imagine what it was like for the very first one to start plowing and plowing for your descendants. That's what we're doing when we're asking, Lord, give me that clean heart, the more pure in here, the more he can fill us. Like, I love it. Like, you know, I I just don't think I should be out of the spirit because I shouldn't. I just should be in the spirit 24-7, which would be great if I just was on my couch or back in the prayer prayer room all day and all night. But the more we make room, the more we can contain his presence. The more we can keep his presence longer and yet still give it out, but still be able to react like the Lord would react, like God would react. What's in your heart? You know, unforgiveness, we could teach about unforgiveness, you know forever, <laughs> because we live with humans. <laughs> We live with human beings. And they're going to hurt. They're going to say something. They're going to do something. They're going to reject you. They're going to because they're people. So the only thing you can do is be responsible for your reaction. And what are you going to do? What would Jesus do? You know, I, I know I keep saying that. It used to be a big saying years and years ago. What would Jesus do? He loved like there was never like that love on the face of the earth, which it wasn't until he came. But he showed us that that's what he wanted us to do, to walk in that love, that where we only saw what he saw, heard what he hears, the Father, think, and in our heart. That love is what brought miracles. There were no hang-ups in him for the spirit of God to move through. It didn't get stuck on bitterness or anger or hurt, that it couldn't flow to the fullest. He said, look, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. What's in your heart? (sighs) I remember some... uh Wise man said to me one time, Pastor Jeff, but he's not here. He's like, so how's that working for you, fighting these demons? Yeah. We try to fight in the flesh what is of the spirit. Think about that one. If you've got a relationship, if you've got um, people at work, if you've got friends or even in your own household. The enemy prowls around, right, and he tries to find your weakness, and what's he going to do? Boy, he's going to jab that constantly, constantly. How are you going to (laughs) react? How are you going to (sighs) react? I used to say I was a reformed Italian, but the more the enemy pokes at me, boy, that stuff comes up. and. Most of you, if you don't know Italians, they, you know, the mafia, the family, they kill their own family. You know, you do not come against them, you do not hurt them, you do not betray them. Oh my God, they will hurt you, kill you, whatever, you know, you're out. <laughs> so many times when the enemy's coming from the ones you love the most or thought that was my best friend or that was my employer or my children, whatever. He's coming at you. How are you going to respond? Man, we flip on that switch of emotions and all over the place, right? What did Jesus do? What did he do when Satan himself came to Jesus? It was like, oh, really? This this is where I want to get like, "Eh, really? You know, that's all you got? That's where I want to get. Sometimes I'm really good at that, but sometimes the poking's a lot deeper. When you could look at him and say, wow, get behind me in Jesus' name and quote the word to whatever is coming at you. You can't fight it in the flesh, people. Please listen to me. I have done this so well (laughs) of fighting it in the flesh. So well that it's so useless. So useless. You cannot repay evil for evil. I've tried that one. You can't. You poke up me, oh, I'll poke right back with two big pokers. (laughs) Done work. And God's God's on the sidelines, like, you done yet? Okay, are you going to listen to me? No, nope, no, nope, no, nope. I'm going to, I'm going to just keep fighting this demon in the flesh. And the Lord's like, are you listening? <laughs> Come here. There's a place of obedience when we're walking in this, when we're going after what he wants for us. Every situation that you've gone, you're going through right now, you've either asked for it, I mean, prayed for it, not like, you know, you did Well, you could do something wrong and something's coming back. But, uh, you know, you've prayed for it. God, I want this. I want that. You know, I want to do this for you. Okay, well, we got to shave off a few things here. Let's just keep walking forward. And then we're screaming and crying and whining. You know, I'm good at that. Murmuring, complaining. Oh, God, where are you? What happened? You know, I'm in the desert now. You know, I'm in the wilderness. Where are you? He's like, I'm right here. I didn't leave. Are you going to listen? Are you going to listen to that small, still voice? I was studying Daniel because it's like, how did Daniel live with Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar was like so demonic, this king. And he had all the demons and wanted everybody to worship and bow. And Daniel just honored this man. And I'm like, oh. you know, everything in me rising up like, oh how? How could he honor this demonic king? You know, God, what made him tick? Daniel said, I I only want to do what is in my heart, what is God's heart. I only want to do, and I don't want to do what is desirable. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to do what is desirable. What is desirable to my flesh? Daniel's like, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go after what God I'm not going to go after what I would like to just, you know, chop the king's head off. Let's get rid of him. And again, he had an assignment. And again and again and again, the Lord used him and used him with all these other kings because he was so faithful, he was so obedient, and he did not do what he desired to do. Like Paul says, you know, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do because that flesh and spirit battle. It's like, wow, Daniel was able to honor this man because of his obedience to God first, not to this demonic king, not to your spouse or your household or your um Workers or your employers or whatever you're fighting against right now, he was obedient to the voice of God. Remember, God standing on the sidelines, okay, okay you know, I got this all figured out. No, I'm just going to keep. God's like, okay, I'll wait for you. Year goes by. <laughs> and the Lord's like, oh, finally, listen. I've had to do one of the most hardest things in my life. <laughs> um, but last year's been very difficult. I've gone through many different things like we all have, you know. You, you lose everything and then, you know, God brings everything back and then you lose your um, marriage and, you know, God uh, is so there for you and brings you back and, you know, fills you back up. And, you know, then another situation, it's like, And everything you go through, you think, oh, this is the hardest one, right? Every single one, this is the This has got to be it, right, God? Because this is like the hardest that there could possibly, possibly be. And the Lord keeps saying, will you be obedient? Will you bless and not curse? Will you do the acts that I'm telling you to do of kindness and love, even if it gets thrown back in your face, which it has. Will you do it again? <laughs> okay. It still hurts, so it's got to die more, God. Okay. <laughs> okay. I would love to say what a, the situation that I'm in right now is all done, and uh, I'm on the victory side, but it still is a process. And the only thing that ever changes during our process is us. Remember that. You're not going to change that other person. Mm -mm. Whether it's a spirit you're up against, whether it's the flesh that you're up against, God has his finger on you. How are you going to react? Are you going to love? Are you going to listen to me? And Daniel, I mean, he sought God. He went after God. He said, you know, I need to know what to do. (laughs) And God said, because you're seeking me, because you're going after me, guess what? I'm going to show you. See, we mess it all up. We don't even go to him. We go right to the flesh. Or let's see what ways we can fix this carnally, right? Let's see which way. Oh, let's see what Google says about this one, right? I mean, let's do all the research and let's just get on all the armor of our soul and our flesh. And let's see how we can make this work. The Lord's over here. Me? Seek me. If you seek me, (laughs) humble yourself. Our most favorite word in the world, right? Humble yourself. The Lord loves it when we humble ourselves, even though that other person thinks they're bigger and they're greater and they've got control over you or they've got dominion over you or they've got whatever they think they have on you. The Lord's saying, humble yourself, watch what I'll do. Humility, humble doesn't mean you're a rug and they're walking all over you, It's mean. it means I'm going to do this (laughs) and I'm going to give and I'm going to bless and I'm going to love because I can be obedient to him. I can be obedient to him. I can't be obedient or submissive to the person or the spirit or the demon that's coming at me at this time, but I can do what he's told me to do because I want that clean heart. I want that pure heart. Everything we go through, even, even going after the clean, pure heart, it's all about your identity, guys. And the enemy always out there to try to just deflate you in who you are and what you're called to do and whose you are. That's all it's about. Think about it. Think about it. Satan lost his identity. He wants yours. He wants yours dead. He wants yours (sighs) completely demolished. It's all about your identity. Create me that clean, that pure heart. So I am operating as Jesus operated on this earth. Not my soul, not my Italian. (laughs) Still being redeemed. (laughs) still being redeemed. Proverbs 24. In Proverbs, I love Proverbs. um, First book that um, the Lord took me to when I got saved 30 eons ago. Um, And the first thing the Lord said was, okay, we're going to do this exchange. I'm going to give you my wisdom, my brain for yours. And I was like, "Woohoo! okay. I mean, sounds great, (laughs) sounds perfect to me because I so relied on my intelligence, my brain. I so relied on me. And he's like, no, I want you to rely on me. I thought, perfect. So here I am in Proverbs learning all about wisdom, all about knowledge, all about insight, desiring it, wanting it because I want to do what he did. And we all remember the story with Solomon, right? You know? (laughs) God came to him and said, what do you want? You know, I remember that from Catholic school, you know. I was like, that is the answer. Solomon said, oh, I want to have ears to hear. I want to I know what your people need. He didn't say, oh, I want wealth, I want riches, I want that. I want to know how, how to do this kingdom. <laughs> and God's like, oh, well, awesome. since you asked for that and not for everything else, I'll give you everything else. Right answer. God's wisdom. God's wisdom. (sighs) Listen to Proverbs 24. This is the one the Lord gave me. (laughs) Do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble making. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. That's what I want. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. Hold on to that for one second. A man of knowledge increases in strength. So when you're going through whatever it is that you're going through, or even if you're just asking for the heart of God, his his vision, whatever it is, when you get his knowledge, not your own, not Google, not any of the resources, you get his strength to stand in the place where you need to stand. This was a good one. The Lord got me on this. Okay. Now, just say the person is at work. That is your grace grower. I see them as these great big, you know, daisies. What are they? Sunflowers. Thank you. Yes. I see them, you know, the grace growers. I mean, they're so big and they're in your face and they're bright. Although, you know, they're beautiful. Daisies and sunflowers. But I see the grace growers as that. It's like you're walking in to work and woohoo. pops up the grace grower. It's like, oh, okay. And they're just waiting for you. Just waiting to do whatever, speak whatever, say whatever that is not encouraging and uplifting and edifying. Okay. What is your reaction going to be? Listen to this, what he says in 15. Do not lie in wait against, uh, he's telling the wicked man, Um, against the dwelling of the righteous and don't plunder his resting place for righteous man may fall seven times and rise again but the wicked shall fall by calamity so God's like you know what you wicked people don't even wait for my righteous because it's going to happen back on you this is this was my favorite seven do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Okay, we know that. Oh, yeah, we're not supposed to. But, you know, secretly you're like, <laughs> yeah, get him, God. God, you get him, right? I am not the only one that thinks this. <laughs> and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Oh, I mean, this, this scripture hit me so deep. Because listen what will happen. If you do and the Lord sees it, it displeases him. It breaks God's heart when you're cheering on your enemy, falling, failing, whatever. And he will turn his wrath away from him. Now that sold me right there. (laughs) Because... Doesn't mean God's wrath is going to come upon him himself. It could be the spirits. You know, that's what I'm always about. You know, people are operating because of what they're connected to spiritually, or wh- or how they were raised, or whatever their situation is. So if you rejoice in their falling or their stumbling, God's like, oh, breaks my heart. I have to turn my wrath from them. <laughs> So I would rather give it to the Lord. Let the Lord deal with them. Let him deal with them. Our only job is to be obedient in listening to him. What does he say? Oh, he might say, hey, you know, bake some cookies or, you know, do some, bring in bottled, you know, for your friend, your neighbor, whoever is a coming is coming against you, do something like that. You don't have to put your name on it. Watch what the Lord does because then you're pleasing the Lord and you're not displeasing the Lord. And every time you do it, it hurts like you know what. (laughs) It hurts you because you're doing something that everything in your spirit, your soul, and your body is against Because this person does not deserve any goodness, righteousness, anything. Love doesn't deserve it. But God's saying, hey, do this. Be obedient. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you to do and watch what happens. You know, we used to say, oh, yeah, it's like heaping coals on your enemy's head, you know, when you're doing something good for them. Not that we used to say it. The word says it. And we've taken it the wrong way, like, yeah, burn their skulls, God. No, that's not it. (laughs) From what I understand, that that was an awesome thing because they had to carry these big baskets and, you know, with coals for their fires, and it would be a blessing to them. How do we see? How do we think? What do we speak? What's in our heart? I have on my little whiteboard in the bathroom, speak no evil. <laughs> so I have, not, you know, just how it comes in So I have to keep a reminder all the time not to speak against what's happening to me at this moment. Not even the Lord's, you know, really on me now. Not even sharing, sharing what is happening, <laughs> what the wonderful people are doing to you. You're professing, you're declaring it into the atmosphere. You can bless or you can curse. So God's like, okay, so why not declare the good, the things that are to come, the way it should be? So then I thought, well, if I don't say anything, I could show pictures on my phone to my friends because I'm not saying anything. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work either. (laughs) Just let you know. I'm going to write a bunch of books someday on what not to do. (laughs) What's the condition of the heart? Comes out of the mouth, right? So as we go deeper with God, you know, it's where this church is going. No holdbacks. We want you, God, and it's all about you. It's not about me. And remember this. This is like so much wisdom. It's never about you. It's never about you. It's about what he wants to do with you. No matter what that person's saying, doing, hold (laughs) hold back. And let the Lord have his way. By you blessing and doing what is good and right? You're gonna see the fruit. You're gonna see what he has for you. And to take you deeper like this body is going. We are going deeper so we can contain more. We can pour out more of him, which means so much less of us, so much less of us. Seek him, walk in humility, Speak the blessings, not the curses. If I can have you guys come back up for, just play some background music. Can we do that? And I have you guys stand. Now, this is going to take some boldness. But, hey, we're in for it all, right? I mean, if you just think you're on a little roller coaster fun kitty ride, you know, you can stay on that roller coaster the rest of your life. But if you want to go for the deep, deep dive into everything that the Lamb of God has for you, everything, if you want that, I want you to come up front right now, and I'm going to lose boldness, In Jesus' name. If you want it all, come on up. Closer, I won't bite. Neither will the Holy Spirit. Just come on up. Because we want all that he has. Just have a straight line if we can get a line. Awesome. I want you to put your hands out like it's Christmas. (laughs) Like Graham Cook says, you know, the position. Because we want what the Lamb of God has for us. So whatever the Lord is touching in your heart tonight, because I know he's poking at the hearts, whatever that thing is or that person We need to lay it on the altar. We need to give it to him right here and right now. Because all it's doing is holding you back. It's going to just make another trip around the mountain. Who needs that? I don't want to take 40 years around the mountain, although I'm pretty close to it. (laughs) Different mountains. I, I I want to let it go and go forth. So whatever... God is putting you on your heart. The bitterness, unforgiveness, the anger, the pain, the rejection, the hurt. Oh, my gosh. All those people, whatever is in the way of the pure heart. I want you to just put your hands out, and I'm going to have you repeat after me. Father God, I forgive everyone that has caused me to hold anything against them. I give you them now. I release them. And I release the pain. I release the hurt. The anger. The bitterness. Jealousy. Everything I've held, I lay it all down. Just let him, let him come right down. Just wash, wash over you. Just let him wash. Let him wash. Let them take it off. We didn't name it, then just let it go. You know what's in your heart. You know what's in your heart. Just let them have it. Jesus. And now I want you to say, Lord, I want you, with everything I have, With everything I am, I want you. I want you. I seek you. And I humbly come to you. I give you me. Say that again. I give you me. Give me ears to hear. I want to be obedient to you. I don't want to displease you. I want to please you. So here I am. (laughs) Do what you will. You were never your own. You were bought with a price. You were never your own. You are always His. His. How many of you here would put your child on a cross? Easier to put yourself on a cross, right? Than put your own child. He bought you to do what he's called you to do, to fill you with all of him so you can go forth. As Graham Cook says, this isn't a fair fight. We have so much more on our side. If we do it according to the spirit, not our flesh, not our soul, you were bought This is not our life. Our life is for him. To fulfill your call, to fulfill your destiny. Remember I said this, all these battles, it's all about identity. because Satan doesn't have one. He lost it. He lost it. And all his little minions that were running around here, they lost it too. They chose to follow him. We've got more on our side. Two-thirds of the heavens on our side. we got the blood of Jesus that made a way for everything. This is not your life. You're a gift to him. You're a gift to him to fulfill the call. Who would give their kid up? Who would give their child up? King of kings, the king of kings. I bless you with a new attitude, a new outlook of that clean and pure heart of your call, of your destiny, of your place in this world. You're His. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me being hurt. It's not about me being rejected. It's not about me. The only thing with me in his, that he's going to change me. Become more like him. (gasps) Such a deal. Yeah, it's going to be hard only because he's getting to the root. Let it go. The more we fight it, the longer it's going to take, people. It's not worth it. Not worth it. So I bless you with his knowledge, his insight, his ways, knowing and seeing you were bought with a beautiful price, and you belong to him to do his work. I bless you guys. Do we have a song to close in?